0: There is a powerful weapon that God has made available to us, but sadly, few Christians use it as they should. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. How do we, what are the weapons of
1: our warfare back in 2 Corinthians? What is mighty in God for pulling down of strongholds? Prayer. What casts down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God? Prayer. What brings every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Jesus Christ? Prayer is such a powerful weapon.
0: This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love that you would take my place. A police officer wouldn't dream of leaving the office without his or her service weapon. Those in the armed forces wouldn't step into enemy territory without their weaponry. And as believers in Christ, it would be foolish to try to fight our daily battles without the spiritual weaponry that God has provided. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor shows us how to fight and use our spiritual weapons in the spiritual war we find ourselves in. As part of our study in 2 Corinthians, We're in chapter 10, and we'll start off with verse 3. Now he's saying, look, for we,
1: even though we walk in the flesh, or even though we're human, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down of arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. These are such powerful truths. I want you to compare this section over with Ephesians. Would you turn to Ephesians chapter 6 with me? Ephesians chapter 6. Many people would look at these two passages, Ephesians 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and they would put it under the banner of spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. For good reason, because the word spiritual and war is used. Spiritual warfare. And before we get to any expositing on 2 Corinthians 10, we need to look at Ephesians 6. So get there with me. Pick up in verse 10 when you do get there. It's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So verse 10, chapter 6, Ephesians. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Stand therefore, verse 14, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith with which you be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying, verse 18, always, with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We aren't going to get into Ephesians 6. I would encourage you to go online, calvaryaurora.org. Our studies in Ephesians are up there. You can download them. Uh, you can listen to them. I don't, think we were, I don't think we were here when those studies were given. I think they were in the school, so you can't watch them, but you can listen to them uh, and learn what all these different pieces of the spiritual armor, how they, what they are and how to use them as a believer. But sufficient for us tonight in chapter 10 is the truth that we don't battle in this flesh or in humanity. We don't war that way. The real battles that we have are spiritual battles. Yes, the flesh is involved. And now this flesh is referring to your humanity. But you know that that word also is used in the New Testament to refer to your old sinful habits. So it's easy not only to battle in the flesh, but then to get a rise of of the flesh which is bad both ways. And if you have never experienced that, come to me after service. I want to do a documentary on your life where there has been a mistake that you've made that you've tried to battle in the flesh, in the human realm, only to find that you and I will fail every single time. Why? Because you can't fight a spiritual battle with human weapons. In order to go to battle, you have to have the right equipment, the best equipment, And our problem is is that we often get entangled in the flesh and in fleshly conflicts. The real battle is the realm of the spirit. That's where victory is won. Victories aren't won in the human realm. And we'll begin to cast insults back and forth. We'll get in the flesh, and it's in that place that we're defeated. Satan has an advantage over us when we war against him in the flesh. He has a significant advantage when we war in the flesh. But if we confine the war and the battle and the spiritual realm to the power of the spirit that dwells in us, then we have a definite advantage over the devil. A significant advantage. We walk in victory when we walk in the spirit. And Satan will always try. And here's the problem. And this is something you need to get into your thinking. We often will get in, caught up into the fleshly realm because we are dealing with every, other human beings. It doesn't always present itself spiritually. It almost always presents itself personally, humanly. You think of the arguments, and you think of the difficulties, and you think of somebody cutting you off. I mean, something so simple, somebody cutting you off on the freeway, that's a spiritual battle that you can fight in the spirit. You're just like, it's no big deal. You can have my lane. I give it to you. Instead of, well, I don't quite know what you do when that happens, but you do. Getting all upset because somebody took your lane and made you 30 seconds later. Now, certainly there are more difficult situations where the flesh rises up with people. Personal things, family things, friendship things. And the Bible says that it's important that we wage war in the spirit. The devil is wise and the devil is subtle. He's wise and he knows that if he can get us in the flesh, he has us. But if you and I are wise... Though we walk in the flesh, we'll realize that the weapons of our warfare, verse 4, are not carnal. Or they're not in the flesh. They're not human. But they're in the realm of the Spirit. If you and I are able to keep it in the realm of the Spirit, then we have more than a decided advantage. We have victory. For the realm of the Spirit, Christ has defeated the forces of darkness. Did you know that? It's a defeat. The devil is defeated. Let me just show you. Turn over again close to Hebrew, or Ephesians and go to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, that the defeat and the victory has already been taken place. It's already done. And when we fight in the realm of the Spirit, victory is there. Notice Colossians chapter 2 with me. Verse 11. It says, In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of the flesh, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you... Being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive with him, having forgiven you of all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Triumph is another word for victory. And there is a victory over the spiritual realm in Christ Jesus. Through the cross, Jesus has made an open display of his victory. So that in spiritual warfare, we enter in as victors. Though we walk in the flesh, Paul says, we don't war according to the flesh. So our weapons, verse 4, they're mighty in God. We're not weak and helpless in this battle. We're not weak and helpless when the even as you're trying to wrap your mind around, wait a minute, Ed, it's really some people and the situation and, and spiritual and these weapons. How do I put a belt of truth on and how do I put a helmet of salvation on? And, and I believe today I'm going to help you take a step in the realm of spiritual warfare that's very, very simple. You don't need to worry about wrapping your mind about the complexities and the depth of spiritual warfare, although I want you to study it on your own after you're done. It'd be a great investment of your time. These weapons, the things that were mentioned in Ephesians chapter 6, the strongest, most important weapon is the weapon of prayer. That keeps us in the spiritual realm, prayer. Not only is it the most effective, but I believe it's also the most underused. Because in prayer, we don't see immediate results. And we're conditioned to see immediate results. That's how we've been raised in the world system that we're in. We have been raised in such a way where we are conditioned to both demand, both want, and even demand immediate results. That's why Jesus had to say in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Why in the world would you lose heart during prayer if the answer didn't come according to your request right away? And you pray, and you pray, and you pray, you pray, so much the same thing that you even, you become tired of hearing your own prayers. You'll even start perhaps even playing mind games where, I don't even want to hear it anymore. It's not going to happen. It just doesn't seem like God hears. Like the psalmist writes in chapter 13 of the psalm, in psalm number 13, he's crying out. He's just like, you know, how long is it going to be, Lord? When are, you to, when are you going to hear me? Why are you going to let your enemy, my enemies, triumph over me? Prayer is so powerful. And one mistake in the battle is when we choose to take things into our own hands and our own methodologies. It is a mistake. When we attempt to do the work that only the Holy Spirit can do, in the strength of our weakness of our flesh, we always fail. It's true. We always fail. I remember Eddie, when he was alive, he used to send me these uh, emails of a blog that he really liked. The blog was known as, I think it would remember, if I remember correctly, the Fail Blog. And even there was also times where he would send me something where it would be some, somebody trying to do something. And as they're trying to do it, they were attempting to do dumb things. It was already a thing to do dumb thing. And then they would fail. And then at the end of the video, it would say, fail. It was the fail blog, and sometimes they did such a crazy thing, and I'm sure he was laughing in his patrol car, and he was, like, man, I think Dad would want this so much so that at the end of the video, there would be times where in your laughing, it would be, and it's like, you don't want to laugh at this because, like, they get hurt and they do dumb things, but at the end, it would say, epic fail. <laughs> we could do that in our lives, couldn't we? If a video was made of an episode. Fail, perhaps, or epic fail. And I would say that there's always an epic failure when we are in the flesh the Bible says that the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God well one of the examples you can jot it down in Genesis chapter 17 of someone in the Bible taking things into his own hands because what happens we become impatient and in our impatience which is you know the fruit of the spirit is patience long suffering in our impatience we attempt to take things in our own hands and abraham was such a man you could say that the end of abraham's life here between the promised child that god had spoken to them just wait on me or the child that they decided to do on their own at the end it was an epic fail god had given a promise to abraham and his wife that they would have a child but in their old age they looked at their own body and said this isn't going to happen we're way beyond child rearing years and easily dismissing the promise of God. It's impossible in our human reasoning to think of a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman giving birth to a baby. I mean, just listening to that, right, like, ha, 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 ha. What? no way. Except that God said it would happen. It's in our human nature, in our flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It's in our flesh, our carnality. And I don't even necessarily mean our sinfulness, just our humanity. It's in our human nature not to believe God when he gives an impossible promise. Our natural response is in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. That's that's what God wants. Our natural response is the opposite of that. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Our natural response is not to trust the Lord with all of our heart. The Bible says, lean not on your own understanding. That's the spiritual response. The natural response is... uh, I think I might understand this one a little bit better than God. The proverb goes on to say, in all your ways, acknowledge him. That's the spiritual response. The human response is in almost all of your ways. And then the Bible says that he'll direct your paths. Our own understanding, our own education, our memories, our vast experience can easily usurp walking by faith, trusting in the Lord. Especially when there's a spiritual battle going on. And you just want it to end. So Paul would tell the church, you guys, what's going on in the midst of you? What's going on in this between us? And you know I was weak and now I'm bold. What's going on? It's a spiritual battle. And with Abraham, or Abram at the time, not waiting on the Lord, his wife comes up with an idea. Take Hagar, the handmaid. She can produce this promised child. That's what they do. Ishmael is born. And it's almost as if, you read it for yourself in Genesis, it's almost as if Abram says, God take my Ishmael it's a fulfillment of your promise and you that know the story know that God did not accept Ishmael as the fulfillment of his promise God can fulfill his promises on his own just fine he did not accept Ishmael instead Ishmael became a problem and a difficulty in Abram's life in the life of the Jewish people even to this day The Ishmaelites pose such a great terror and threat to the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel is surrounded by the the Ishmaelites, the father of the Arab people. God says, I won't accept Ishmael as the promise. I I won't turn him away either because I have a plan of salvation for the Gentiles. Isn't God so gracious? I have a plan for him, but I'm going to use the promise that I gave you. And later on, you know that a baby was born to them, Isaac. You know what Isaac means? Laughter. Because it was funny, they laughed kind of in scorn to God and God got the last laugh. Isaac, how often we've tried to help God out a little and made a big mistake. We come to that place where impatience does, impatience does overtake us. So what do we do in the in-between times? Times of waiting, the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. What does it look like being still? Well, we don't want to jump in. We want to ask God to give us the patience so many of us have little Ishmaels running around that we've created. They're causing havoc, confusion, disruption, a little work of the flesh, just a little one, but such significant damage. How do we what are the weapons of our warfare back in 2 Corinthians? What is mighty in God for pulling down of strongholds? Prayer. What, verse 5, casts down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God? Prayer. What brings every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Jesus Christ? Do you guys know the answer? Prayer. Prayer. It's such a powerful weapon. Now, the other weapons are just as necessary. I'm not suggesting that you throw your helmet of salvation away. You need that to protect your head because so much of spiritual warfare is in the head, it's in our thinking. It's a battle for the mind. And I'm not suggesting that you just throw your belt of truth away. No, if you take your belt of truth away, your pants are going to fall down. And you're going to be in trouble. You need the belt of truth that holds everything together. And, of course, the picture in Ephesians 6 isn't our modern-day thought of pants. It was a Roman soldier. We go through all of his things. Paul is in prison at the time he's writing this, on guard by a Roman soldier. No doubt with that picture in his mind, he's going down all each one. Boom, 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 boom. This is, the soldiers smart enough to wear armor. We're believers. We have the wisdom of God. How important for us to put our weapon in. For some, you just got to wake up. You got to have it written down if you haven't memorized it. And you just wake up in the morning, Lord, I am, and, and just like you physically have to get dressed, you start to spiritually get dressed. Lord, I'm putting on my helmet of salvation. I'm putting on my belt of truth. I'm putting on my breastplate of righteousness. I'm putting on shoes that are shod with the gospel of peace. And I'm putting on... Through my mouth, prayer. I'm going to start out before I even take a shower, before I even brush my teeth. I'm going to brush my life with prayer. I don't know what the day's going to bring. I don't know what's up ahead. But I do know when I begin with the weapons of God in the spiritual realm that he will go before me. And he will help me to pull down strongholds. And he will help me to banish the addictions and the habits and the things that hold us entrapped in bondage. Prayer deals directly with the lies of the enemy. I want you to see that in 2 Corinthians 10 because that's the context. The context is Paul is under attack. Vicious lies are being spread about him in the church. And he has said, look, we don't walk according to the flesh. We walk according to the spirit. If we could just put this into practice much more, there'll be less havoc and confusion and difficulties around us. There is a powerful weapon that God has made available to us, a glorious weapon, mighty through God to pull down strongholds. And it's very easy and very clear to see how Satan has a stronghold on this world. Satan has a stronghold on the lives of many of our friends. Satan has a stronghold in areas of our lives. And God has given us weapons whereby we can take down the strongholds of the enemy. And the most powerful of that, I believe, is prayer. And so Paul says, hey, the weapons of our warfare are not physical. And at the end in verse 10, I love that. the end result, God says, he's ready to punish disobedience and reward obedience. Obedience is fulfilled. There's a reward at the end of that. And while obedience is fulfilled, disobedience is taken care of. Such a wonderful truth that God would give to us. Such a wonderful weapon. You know, for us as a congregation, we have during services on on our Sunday services men praying during the service and women praying during the other service. I think the women are second service and the men are first service. Praying during the service. While we're worshiping and singing and teaching, and and I know that with some transitions that are going on with our congregation in the main campus, you know, here, us are the only campus because if you weren't here for the announcement this last weekend, uh, we announced that the Denver campus has now become a full church plant. Pastor Sean is the pastor of that congregation. Uh, We are releasing it and supporting it, and they've changed the name already. It's called White Flag Calvary. And what that's done is some of the leadership has stayed with Pastor Sean and some of the leadership that had left here are coming back. And one of the brothers that had left here that has such a burden and passion for prayer, um, he's coming back. And I believe that there's going to be an increased desire. Not only that, but with Pastor Jason already here, many of you participated in the fast Sunday night, Monday night, you broke it on Tuesday. And we're praying about doing that far more often than we ever have before. And I'm sure that some of you were praying and fasting and all hell broke loose in your life. It's hurtful. It's hard, isn't it? You're wanting to seek the Lord and the things of this world and the devil and your own flesh doesn't want you to do it. And then Pastor Jason reminded me today by way of text that we used to have and we're going to have more often. After the service, we're just going to set aside a corner of the sanctuary and you don't have to go home. You can just go pray. You can just intercede like a mini prayer meeting. I could see that happening on Wednesdays, every, every Wednesday night, just praying together. And, and I believe that that's the way we're going to take the city. That's the way that we're going to step out in faith. That's the way that we're going to win the victory. It's not by our human efforts. It's not by our Bible knowledge, except to know that when we learn something, we're going to grow through it. But what we need to do is we need to be praying and seeking God. We need to be praying during this service. So the weapons, oh, that the Lord would help us.
0: You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. If you joined us late or would like to hear this message again, turn to AboundingGraceRadio.com or you can listen through our app too. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. If you take a brief moment to write or call, that would make our day. Let us know the station you're listening to and if today's study was a blessing to your life, we'd also love to pray for you. You can email us through our new website at AboundingGraceRadio.com .com by clicking on Contact. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners, and when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of the Third Option by Miles McPherson. In it Pastor Miles speaks out about the racial divisions in today's world and encourages us to see people as God sees them. It contains awesome, practical takeaways and exercises to help you understand the points of views of others. I think you'll also be inspired and encouraged to make positive changes in our country, starting with yourself. Again, ask for a copy of The Third Option when you call today at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Your generosity helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. We're constantly hearing from listeners that have been helped and are growing by God's abounding grace. Thank you for standing with us. Making a donation to the ministry is easier than ever, as you can now do so through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Well, Pastor Ed, we learned today that one of the best weapons we've been given for the battle at hand is prayer. I think it would be fitting if you would close our time in prayer today about these very matters. Sure, Larry, I'd love to. Father, I know that the
1: warfare, the spiritual battle is intense and growing more intense day by day. But would you remind us that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and the wickedness and evil. Uh, The spiritual warfare is behind the scenes, and we need and we desire and we want your sufficient help in the battle, that we're not on our own, and I'm grateful. Even though the devil fights dirty, Lord, you you fight clean, and you are our victor. You are our protector. You are the one that goes before us, hems us behind and before. And so, God, we're just asking that you would guard and protect us, lead us in those everlasting ways, and help us strengthen our hands for the battle in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. And friend, come on back tomorrow on Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor will return to 2 Corinthians 10 with a message he's titled, To God Be the Glory, Great Things He Has Done. This is amazing grace.